0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Recovery Femme. My name is Brooke, and I'm a person in recovery from various mental health disorders as well as substance abuse. Please note that neither myself nor my guests are medical or mental health professionals unless a guest states otherwise, and that this podcast does not replace professional advice, but is instead a peer-based resource based on the real, uncensored, unscripted reality and authentic experiences of those engaging in their recovery journey. Aside from recovery-related topics, this podcast is freeform. Music, movies, hobbies, and any other positive aspects of our day-to-day lives will be discussed as well. Today on the show, I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Jackie. We met through a Zoom recovery meeting and are both part of an amazing support network. I hope that you can take something away from her story. Our conversation lasted about an hour, and I am so blessed that she agreed to be part of the podcast. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and possibly gain a new perspective. This is Recovery Fan.
1: This call is being
2: recorded. Just to start off or whatever. Um so like what's your like basic background when it comes to your recovery? Like where did that begin? Okay, so I guess
1: uh, recovery wise that would be on um, like where it it's taking or it's been like where I'm okay. It's been like since December. And, uh, like December 17th, and from the, my DOC, which was, uh, Tramadol or, um, Norco's, um uh, preferably. And then I would dabble in other hard things as well. And then that become like a daily use. So that's, uh, recovery wise, yeah, December 17th. And I'm doing the MAT recovery, which is the medically assisted recovery. Uh, they're using Suboxone, um, which uh, I'm still just kind of learning more about that and, like, the effects and um, what I go through. I also um, smoke weed, too. So um, just depending on how how I'm feeling, like, it'll go between the two strings.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, like, that's really interesting to figure out, um, like, as we go along, like, in our journeys, like, how, like... All of those things are sort of intertwined, like the different ways that we can all get to like the same place, I think, because i Recovery-wise? Yeah, because I'm like in a similar boat as you. Like I um, have been on like various like psychotropics before and nothing really worked. And I found Delta-8 THC and it's like, oh my gosh, like that's really like a game changer for me. Um
1: I have never heard of Delta Eight.
2: I don't think. Yeah. From where, um, and I'm over
1: here in California, so that's kind of
2: interesting. <laughs> is it a strain
1: yeah. company? What is it?
2: No, uh Delta Eight is a basically lower it comes from, you know, cannabis and hemp. Um it's basically a less potent form of uh, tetrahydrocannabinol. Um oh. that you can get um federally, so there's no uh ban on it so even when even though I'm in uh right now and i am still you in the don't process have the same of getting
1: leniencies,
2: as i do right not anymore i mean I was living in California before, where obviously it's recreational in Cali, but i um uh basically delta e t t h c it's um available without a medical
1: card, and that's the difference. So. Oh, okay. And by the left-hand side, you can't get your medical card? Like, you know how you can get it online or whatever, like that kind of thing? I've been like, trying to, I but I both, need mo- yeah, like... both recreationally and uh, medically, but you can just go online and fill out a couple of questions. They ask about your anxiety, whatever, what have you, and then they just, like, email it to you.
2: Does that not yeah, apply
1: my... over there?
2: It's, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely, it's possible, totally. Like, I talked to my whole doctor about it, and she recommended me, but the problem is that um because I don't have my state, my PA state ID yet, they won't let me do it. Gotcha. Okay. Then yeah, so no, I need to get a Pennsylvania sense. ID for me to do it. I mean, she's more than happy <laughs> to, write the reco- to write the recommendation for it, but, mm-hmm. um yeah. So See, that's in the, the thing, meantime.
1: Like, I feel like there's just, like, a huge, stigma on on marijuana and um and the recovery process and then so that's kind of like why i agreed to do it do the podcast is because i kind of am a firm believer on on cannabis being a therapeutic way of getting off of other substances and it helping you get off of other substances especially what like for me opiates or tramadol which when with this Camera being introduced to me was not introduced to me as it having a um having a um oh my gosh what what is the word that I'm looking for an antidepressant in it so that's not how it was given to me it was given to me solely as a pain medication for my migraines and the neck pain that I was having and my knees and my back like all of it so um, and the reason I had stopped taking the opiates or the Norco's was because the acetaminophen was hurting my stomach, or like that. That's how I, um, that's how I reasoned it in my head as far as, um, okay, this is why I'm not going to take this, and this is why it's okay to take the other. And then switching back and forth, that became a pain because. Because tramadol is a synthetic opiate. So it wasn't, like, they were not working together. And in this whole process of, like, me taking the medication, um, I I also got pregnant with my daughter, my youngest, and um, I was, uh, you know, on methadone. They put me on methadone um, and said that it was the worst of the two as far as either the tramadol goes or the or methadone, those are the two things, those are the two options. If I decided that I was just not going to take anything, I risk having a seizure and or losing the baby, and I wasn't going to risk that. And so once I, like long story short, or long, long, long story shorter, is that um, I ended up have, giving birth to her, and uh, we tell them that I'm on methadone, we tell them the whole story, and they gave me something that is also for pain, but it counteracted the methadone putting me in withdrawal and the baby in, like, a matter of 30 seconds. Not even joking.
2: Um, I'm were they aware of that when they did it?
1: And that she was staring at me like she did not know what to do. She kept telling me, no, that that's a normal reaction. And I grabbed her arm and I told her, no, this is something is not okay. This oh, is wow. whatever happening is not okay. I started like, my, we were so excited, right? You're excited. You're going to have a baby, whatever, what have you. Like, you're just like, yay, don't for joy. Okay, like, um, her dad goes outside to grab the stuff, and we're like, okay, I'll see Give me a kiss. He comes back in, and I'm literally punching, punching the gurney, like the bed. I'm punching the bed. I'm telling her that she's trying to kill me. And that, like, I'm totally tripping. I was like, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's going to fucking kill me. Like, I was just like, dude, I was like, she's staring at me. I was like, you need to call my mom, call my dad, call everybody. I was like, you, because, like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And she's staring at me like she doesn't know what to do. And um, oh, wow. so, uh in any case, like, I mean, I'm talking, like, complete withdrawals. Like, sweating, yeah. diarrhea, vomiting. Um, like, hot and cold chills. I had anxiety. I felt like I needed to scream. I literally said, like, I feel like I need to talk loud. And I did it like that. And, like, this whole time, this woman is just staring at me. And she, I don't want to say, crazy. like, I don't want to be, like, it was horrific. Horrific. Like, it was the worst. Even getting on Um, methadone like I didn't know what I was walking into I didn't know it was a whole program for people who were coming off of heroin I didn't know the reactions that the tramadol was going to have on me um, uh, long term or whatever they just kept prescribing it to me like the doctor didn't see me for a year and when I came in to tell him I no longer wanted to take the medication he asked me what was wrong with me and oh, I wow. swear to you, I swear to you, like, I am living in a surreal what the actual fuck type of, like, are you kidding me situation? Like, it, I've never been, like, one to be like, hey, I want to stop doing this. And the doctor be like, and you're tripping. Like, <laughs> okay. You walk away so confused and defeated. Like, oh, I'm going in there. I'm going to, like, I'm going to tell them, like, I'm ready to just not take this anymore. Like, I'm going to deal with the pain, whatever. And then you, like, walk out just like, what the hell just happened? Did that just yeah. happen? Like, <laughs> and there's nobody around for you to look at, right? So you're just kind of, like, scratching your head, like, and this is why I say fuck it. And I just take the medication and keep on going because there is no time to pause. If I do, it makes me more anxious. It hurts me more, you know. But I'm trying to do it in a different way, right? Like I didn't give up just because those that avenue didn't work. I went to treatment, which is called a and uh, it was awesome. Like I learned a lot. I did the three chairs. Are you familiar with the three
2: chairs? Uh, three chairs. I vaguely, I think I've heard of that before.
1: So, like, when they put – it's, like, a practice that they did with, uh, like, in group therapy. And okay. um, you have – and I mentioned it in one of, the, one of the meetings that we've had, which is, like, you have the critic, you have the criticized, and then you have the compassionate part of yourself, right? And the critic – you get to sit in the chair of the critic, and you're like, okay, what are you going to tell yourself as the critic, as, as you? You're the one sitting in the middle. What are you telling yourself? you sit in the first chair and you criticize yourself all the stuff that you tell yourself all the time that is just horrible right like we are our worst critic we will go in on ourselves no matter what so did that part of it and like horrible telling myself all the things that I think of myself in that moment like you're a whore you're a terrible person like you cheated on your baby's dad with this person and you're just like you never you ruined your whole family like how could you do that? Like you know, like I'm just going in on myself, and um, look what you did, blah 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 blah. So then the therapist tells me to now move into the other chair, which is the per the you're the criticized the person that you're telling all of this stuff to. Now how do you feel? How do you feel being told all of these things? And well, of course I break down, and it's like, fuck, like, ow, right? Like what does that feel like? feels like you just swallowed 10 knives and they're trying to digest through your system that's how that feels and um so then she's like okay now I want you to like sit in that for a second and move over to the compassionate part compassionate chair the compassionate part of yourself now what would you tell yourself feeling all of these things not get over it or be strong but like how would like sitting in the feelings, what would you say? That it's okay to not be okay, right? It's okay to have these feelings and need to have somebody else. Need to be able to say, hey, I need some help and not be embarrassed by that.
2: Because we so are. Yeah, totally. I think like... um back like maybe five or six years ago I was at a psych hospital where they did something similar to that except it was just you sat in a chair in the middle of all the other uh, patients and they told you like really positive things about yourself and at the time like I didn't believe it and um, but it was really like heartwarming and just so all the like you could feel like the actual like compassion coming through from all these different people and even though at the time I didn't believe it like I understood at this like what the exercise was trying to do though like it was trying right. to make me like deep like dig deep inside myself and really start to you know appreciate Open the it um yeah exactly yeah and appreciate
1: it right appreciate the feelings like like when those feelings were coming up what were you trying to do were you trying to embrace them or were you trying to shove them down I mean, for me, I was trying yeah. to shove them down. I was like, stop crying. Stop crying right now. Like, don't you do it. Like, that's how I felt. Because other people are looking at me, bitch, you better get it together. Like, that's how I felt. Yeah. Like, telling myself, like, you, in my head, like, oh, no, you fucking don't. Like, oh, no, you don't. You do not do
2: this. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was trying to like really believe everything that was said and not show like any real like emotion like how you're talking about like just push it down but at the same time it was so it was such like a powerful experience that like I think I did cry a little bit not that much but probably a little bit <laughs> oh I boohooed
1: oh I yeah boo-hooed. like I was like a complete fucking baby like I was and the girl like you know and then afterwards she turns to the other girls and and asks them like okay so how do you feel seeing you know Jackie break down like this so one of the girls was like what the hell like she has such this like you know um powerful exterior like strong exterior like don't fuck with me exterior type of vibe right like mean like if I'm cold-hearted or something that's what she thought and then I just like totally was vulnerable you know but like it was it's depending on the person that I act that way, because I'm not always just, like, closed off and just guarded like that. But at that time, I was just so angry to be there. I didn't <laughs> want to be there.
2: Yeah, I can relate to that. that. I? I've been in several, like, reha- not rehabs, but, like, um, either hospitals or, like, mental health centers and that. Um, I just was so petty about it. And I At first, I didn't want to be there, so I can totally understand that. Yeah, it was just, you know, and,
1: like, I guess they were going through some management changes, and for me, I was like, I could understand it, but I was like, that's not my fucking problem. Like, I took work off for this shit, you know, Like, and I get it. I understand people have to deal with whatever they have to deal with, but that's not my situation. You're getting paid. The insurance is paying you, regardless of whether you sit here and do what you're supposed to do or whether you don't. And you expect me to sit in these this house with these other females for however long, talking to nobody like that that part was what was frustrating, like I had a chef, we did acupuncture, there was singing bowls, we went to an arcade there was like we went to the um the aquarium like and it was the idea of showing you that you can do things sober, right. And I was like, I never had a problem doing those things sober. I do, would do those things with my kids. Those things are what makes me feel bad for being here without my children. So that's why I, I'm, like, always trying to stress that that recovery is not cookie cutter. It isn't one size fits all. It isn't just AA is the only direction or, you know, whatever A is the only direction. And, you know, and that's just it. That's it. Closed doors. You know, and so what does that sound like? That sounds like a bunch of crap. You know, like you, if somebody is having an, a hard time and you want to say, okay, you can accept whatever higher power, then you can accept whatever whatever path you are trying to take to recovery as long as you get to where you're trying to get. Because like I said, recovery is not temporary. Recovery is lifelong. It's not something you just say, okay, I'm done with that now.
2: Yes, yeah, now like you, you can go to a place for like – 30 days, and all of a sudden, you know, you're cured because the insurance runs out. Like, it doesn't work that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The insurance runs out, and then they're like, okay, I'm done with you. You know, just like my therapist with this program that I'm in now. Like, she kind of tried not to say it, but she's just like, there's 3,000 other people we're helping. And I'm like, okay, and I'm just not important enough. My insurance is just not up there enough for you to take the time weekly to meet with me you only meet with me if I'm having a hard time that's the only time I get to meet with you
2: yeah that that doesn't sound right
1: yeah so now I have to try to you know find another avenue looking for peer support but I started with the peer support in um and with Unity, right, but Unity is in the East Coast, so they tried to get me connected to somebody in Las Vegas, and I'm like, I would really like it if I had somebody that was tangible, like, in the event that I was, like, freaking out or acting stupid that I could just call and they can be here. And I get with COVID, there's boundaries and whatever, but I like the idea of somebody being able to just be like, hey, I'll be right there.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm lacking. Yeah, but... Like, that's the thing about it. Like, it's kind of weird that you mentioned that part of it because um, when I got my peer specialist here, they put me with someone that's in the city that I'm in now. So my specialist uh, through Unity is someone who's here in my city. And so I don't understand why they didn't do that with you.
1: Right. And, And not just that, but, like, it took days you know like it was from thursday that i requested it and then i finally heard from her tuesday
2: yeah but but that
1: that's always been my um my kind of my interaction within the medical industry right like you all there's always like this hoop that you have to jump through to get to another hoop And that's the problem. It's like, I've already jumped through 10 of your hoops, and now you want to get mad and call me crazy when I finally have had it with the hoops.
2: Yeah. Like, I'm not crazy because I'm fucking –
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm not crazy for being upset here, bro. Like, you're the one crazy for having no response. I think you're crazy for just being like, um, I'm talking to a wall.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I remember I was at a place, actually got shut down um, by uh, the FBI, like, a year after I left, but a place called Sovereign in Orange County, and um, Mm -hmm. there, like, all the other females in the house, like, wanted to, like, we had outings, and we got to choose, like, what outing we did, and, Mm -hmm. um, like, they took us out to, um, like, a vape shop at one point, and then another, it was, like, some, like... I think they took us, like, fucking, like, Target or something something stupid like that. And um, some, I don't know, I think one of the girls got, like, electronics that they wouldn't even let her use, like, and they said, well, why did you buy that? And But they let her buy it. And it's like, well, you know, if you let her <laughs> purchase it and then not let her use it at the house, then what's the point? But I don't know. It's just, like, yeah. like a lot of these programs are just so unorganized and, you know, in my experience, just not. It is. Yeah,
1: it is. And like I, ha- I asked them, "How did I end up with my phone?" Because I ended up leaving treatment like a couple days early. I left on my birthday, a matter of fact. And so I get, you know, kicked out on my birthday, and I'm just like, I feel like everybody's just waiting for me to have this like fucking blow up reaction because that's just like what I do. I like have the dramatic, re- most dramatic reaction. I will like every, like, no, you will listen to me right now. I am right. You are wrong. It doesn't matter what it's about. And that's just it. And I was calling them out on every single thing that I saw that was incorrect or unjust or not right. And it was just like, you guys need to get it together. You know, like, come on. I feel in recovery, like there's not enough employment um, opportunities or avenues or people giving People chances to be able to have a second chance with causes relapse to begin with. Like, come on. You know, like this, this, this is like, it goes beyond just me getting recovery. You know, like it goes beyond that. Like I worked at like being in recovery. I worked on skid row. Like I am ter- like, I am so tired of seeing what I keep seeing you know, like it doesn't just happen there, it happens everywhere, like I'm no better than anybody else, if it's happening to me, it's happening to them, it's happening to like somebody who like considers themselves better than I am, like it's everywhere, like there's something that needs to be done and pointing the finger isn't the solution here.
2: Yeah, I think the big part of it too is that a lot of these like, you know, lower paid like staff members and people that work in places like this a lot of them you know just simply just do it for a paycheck and they get out of there like they it takes a special type of you know individual to work at places like like that and it's like when I've like gone to you know certain treatment centers like you can tell like right off the bat like who is like super supportive and who is going to like you know be in your corner and then the other workers that are there that are just not, for whatever reason, they are just not as invested. And I think that really does, you know, a huge disservice to all of us in the end because we're the ones getting screwed over by it. Because, like, if they're willing to just, you know, show up and basically do nothing except for, like, oh, here's a group where you can, you know, color or play bongos (laughs) or something. I'm like, what the hell does that
1: Yeah, here's a Zoom group. Here's a Zoom yeah. group that that's, that's what they're going to do. That's what the suggestion is. Here's a Zoom group, and then you charge my insurance X amount of dollars for that. Shit, give it over here. We will gladly form something amongst ourselves because we know what we need as a community. And do what we need to do together because the community part of it, the community aspect of recovery is what has made people go from just, you know, getting over, you know, detoxing to recovery. That's what gets them through that. That's what makes it through that 24 hours each time every day, getting through to the next 24, to the next 24, to the next 24 is the community aspect. Without that, you will. I'll keep falling. I have fallen tremendously anytime I try to um isolate. And I've even called myself out and said, Hey, if I isolate that means I'm not doing good. Oh, okay. And then I know like I can see who are like the the people who are after my vulnerability. And sometimes it's just like, you know, what do I do at that point? Like I just want the person. You know, so that goes into a whole nother topic, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just like this, uh, you know, a big part of it, too, is that a lot of these places are, you know, for-profit. So they just care about their bottom line, getting as many, you know, beds filled as they can. And then once, you know, you have no more money to give them, they just move on to the next person. So it's sort of this assembly line type thing that, you know, so, in my opinion, it's so prevalent. In these types of places
1: yeah and I think in in the in the non-profit world too like there's just you know like you just it needs to be better that's all like you know there isn't there isn't anybody that I can and I've said this plenty of times too like when you're looking for blame like we can find all kinds of people to point the finger at and so many people to blame and and everything else but show me the people who who are willing to give a solution even if it's out of the box you know like just try something anything you know that isn't just status quo let me just you know you are number seven 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 instead of Brooke. you know and that's not
2: okay oh yeah absolutely not i've been been through it plenty of times You know, over the years, and it's just like it gets exhausting trying to deal with, you know, you know what you need, but then the people that are capable of helping you just want to throw all this different shit on you that doesn't fit and go through all these different solutions that you know haven't, you know, it hasn't worked for you in the past, so it's not going to work for you uh, in the future.
1: Yeah, but you have to keep going through the motions.
0: You know, yeah, I'm exactly. like,
1: oh, okay. Let me just let me please you, and, and that's what it is. Is that I like for me, it's just I get so lost in in okay, let me please you that it's like okay, what happens to to me in the process? Like, I need to give you the answers that are going to help me, not that you want.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like you really need to have, and that's the other thing, you know just because they're professionals doesn't mean that we can't hold them accountable for the way that they're conducting like our treatment. And if something isn't working for us, then it's our responsibility to, you know, either let them know or let their supervisor, or whoever, just be like, Hey, you know, this is not working with this person. Maybe, you know, Change out my provider to you know a different therapist or a different doctor or whoever until you get someone that you know is actually you know i mean I can tell you when I was at uh when I was at rosewood um a few years back i at first because I'm you know a trans female um they would not house me with other females, and this was you know obviously affecting my recovery and in in a huge way and I Thankfully, I had a really good um, psychiatrist and therapist um, that were there that really helped push this. But at first, whoever the management or whoever was making these decisions, you know, didn't take, you know, my, you know, feelings of isolation or any of that into account. And, I mean, eventually, after a couple weeks, it ended up switching over. But that's only because I threatened, you know, a, a lawsuit. And... I shouldn't have to do right. that for them to, you know, include me with everyone else. Cause when you're, you know, especially when you're in, you know, a setting like a treatment center or a hospital or what have you, you know, isolation and separation from everyone else is like the last thing that you want. And they claim that, Oh, it's, you know, for your protection. And I, to, you know, to be honest, I don't really buy that because, Shouldn't they have policies in place that protect everyone already, anyway? So. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah, not just isolation being the answer to you know it's the the answer to every everything. It's the solution to everything. Solitary isolation. Solitary. couldn't them by themselves. They'll learn something. And yeah, you learn definitely. when you're by yourself, all you learn is to be defensive, keep having to defend yourself, keep having to watch your back all the time, just worry about you, be selfish. That's what you yeah. learn.
2: And that's not a good place to be for anyone.
1: No, of course not.
2: It's just, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. That's crazy to me.
2: Have you heard of uh Kratom for uh I know I've heard that it helps with um like an organic uh comes from I believe a plant in East Asia, if I'm not mistaken, uh that helps with um opioid withdrawal.
1: I have no idea. I've heard you mention it a couple of times actually in one a meeting and then one of the other guys. I but I don't know. I um I've never heard of it. Is that like something that's newer?
2: Um, it's I mean it's been around for centuries, but as far as like the modern version of it that's being like sold, I think in the past, you know, five ten years, and um, apparently from what I've over here with a lot of people, yeah, here in the states, um, apparently actually there's a shop there's a vape shop that I get my uh, Delta Eight from uh, right down the street that I'm not going to name drop, um, but there's a vape (laughs) shop that does uh that sells uh, kratom, and apparently from what I've uh heard from other people it really helps with their uh opioid withdrawals and stuff like that if they're if they've been on opioids before
1: yeah but that one guy he came in and he but he seemed very very not okay and that was like his doc
2: i mean it's possible I mean, so not strange. everything not everything works for everyone i mean i there's been like yeah. reports of people going having to go to the er just because of uh cannabis so i mean it's possible that not everything works for every one of people. Different people have different reactions, so I'm not yeah. really going to judge. I've never
1: heard. I've never heard of um, anybody going to the hospital for cannabis.
2: Yeah, I've never heard of that either. Apparently, for uh, an allergic reaction, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a, a report on it. Um, mm-hmm. Someone, some lady, like smoked a couple bowls, and apparently she had a really bad allergic reaction. She had to go to the hospital for it.
1: I would have to definitely see that report <laughs> before I made any judgment calls on that one. Yeah, I don't. I've never heard that, which is why I've always stuck with you know that it's safe to to smoke weed and or THC, CBD, like whatever uh, you know, strains the strain may you know have an effect as yeah. far as um, you know your anxiety levels and stuff like that. But I've always been like a firm. Um, Supporter and everything in cannabis, but not. I haven't. I don't know enough about um, kratom to even to to know. I
2: don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've. I mean, I believe that you know federally. Once we get there, eventually we will. But um, we should all, you know, it should be recreational nationwide, just be 21 plus the same way that alcohol and cigarette are, and that's a whole other topic I can get into is how. Oh yeah. know, weed is criminalized even though. You know, alcohol and cigarettes, which has been proven to kill, you know, countless people, is you know legal to buy, you know, all the time, and you can't get. You know, it's a lot more difficult, depending on what state you're in, to get marijuana, which you know has killed nobody and is have, and at least for in, in my case has, uh, really positive. I mean, it helps me with so much. Like, it helps me with insomnia. It helps me with um, the anorexia. Like, it's really Fantastic medicine, but at the same time, um, and I think the allergic reaction story—if I'm not mistaken—that was like a sort of like a freak kind of incident. Like it's really uncommon as, as far as uh, what I read.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would I would want to do my my research before I even um, spoke on on the the other topic. So I I just know that you know did. How I mean, yeah, I mean, there's people who are in recovery for marijuana, so that's why, like, some people feel like it's a gateway to to harder stuff. And and for me, I don't I don't feel that way. I feel like like for me, when it came to my addiction and my like doing any type of drug, it was just more of a here try it and me saying okay and trying it. And if I like it, then I did it, you know. And I kept on doing it. It wasn't, um, you know, as Uh, as far as like you know recreational type stuff and you know things like that and I mean there's been some some things that have happened to me that I just you know cannot explain and that and that that I think is hard for me to go go into because um, because I'm still piecing everything together I think more and so it sounds the way that I speak about what has taken place to me on a sexual front or being assaulted at all or whatever, it always ends up being like when I'm doing a, doing a drug or drinking or something like that. So therefore it's harder for me to come forward and say, Hey, this happened to me because one, you don't get believed um, because you're intoxicated or under the influence. And two, it's embarrassing, and you don't want somebody to know that you're intoxicated or under the influence, and those things happen. And um, so, uh, like I said in this last meeting that we just had, like, I have all like, how do I deal with things? Like, I deflect. Like, I've disassociated. Like, I'm trying to piece things together to know, okay, what has actually taken place in these amount of years? Because I literally cannot remember so much. You know, and that has to do with um, having trauma from what I understand. So I'm looking into trauma therapy and, like, trying to get that done so that I can actually, you know, piece these things together and know, you know, what's um, real and what my mind is trying to, you know, tell me is real.
2: Yeah, it it takes time, but I think that, you know, over time, I think that if we all... As a community, I think if we work together, then I think that there's a lot more, um, you know, strength in numbers, so to speak, you know, if we all can support each other. And then, you know, obviously with trauma, it's a little more complex. You have to have a, you know, specialist, like a trauma, not just a therapist, like a trauma-based therapist. I think that would be like if I were to, you know, go down that route for myself, that's you know that's what I would do for it. um I mean, I have a psychologist, but I think that her specialty is just more in the generic like emotional and like grief and family issues and stuff like that. but I do think for trauma like I know I even know there are like trauma based like rehabs and stuff in California. I'm not even kidding like I do think that there are some of those programs that exist, like dual diagnosis, yeah, um, trauma type program. Oh
1: yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah. There the 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 rehabs and stuff like that. I'm not a fan of being in any type of institution. I don't do well at all.
2: I don't either. I don't like
1: it. I don't want to be there. I won't embrace any of the changes. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. I don't know if that has to do with being a kid. I know like when we were little like we were in like a cult and like it was not good. So You know, that kind of, like, I don't know. Wait,
2: did you say a cult? I don't
1: know if it's, like, it was literally cult. Like, it was literally like that. And it was very bad. And that's what I'm saying. Like, there's not enough, there's not enough of people doing something about what needs to be done, you know. But like I said, like, I only have, like, bits. I have pieces. And, like, these things keep happening. And, like, you see it with Scientology. You see it with, like, all kinds of different things where, All of these things are going down, and people speak up about it. You know, people, from what I understand, have said things. I was too little to uh, really understand what was going on. You know, I still don't know what exactly, like, happened. And that's the problem. It's like, okay, like, what the F, you know? How is it still something that is not being looked at? at or taken seriously or you know maybe it is and i just don't know and i really hope that that's the, that's the case you know and i i would i if, if i knew how to help or what to say or what to remember like i would you know but i I'm, I'm i'm assuming that that's my problem with having to be like like in that type of environment maybe like not being able to go anywhere being forced to stay somewhere you don't want to be like you know like I I don't uh uh, nope
2: yeah and that's the worst part about it is a lot of that is uh involuntary as well so you really have no choice in the matter
1: yeah the only choice you have is checking yourself in (laughs) after that they have full reign to do whatever they want I'm not good with that that's surrender on a whole nother level that's not surrendering to my higher power that's surrendering to another human
2: being and I'm not down with that yeah, that's understandable. I never, I haven't actually been <laughs> even consider it that way before you said it, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, and even when you do sign yourself in, a doctor still has to sign you out, so it's not. Yeah. So it's kind of misleading. And determine misleading. your fit. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. exactly.
1: Everything has been misleading. Like even like coming into the rehab, like the paperwork, the paperwork that I was signing, I'm like, why does it say Florida? Like, I don't understand why it says Florida right here. Like, that makes no sense to me. Florida? You, yes, like, the the contract said Florida. And so I circled it, I think, on the paperwork that I had. I was just like, what? Question mark, like, you know? maybe
2: the company that owns them are based out of Florida? I don't know. Maybe.
1: But, like, you're in California, so how do those rules apply? Like, even if I sign it, we're not signing it in Florida. Like, I mean, I don't know enough about like the, that contractual agreement, like, and I'm no longer there. Thing, you know, yeah. but I learned something. That's the thing. Like I, it, I took away the three chairs from that experience. I would have never had that. I learned a lot about other people and and their and their recoveries and their struggles with, um, you know, marijuana or with um, other types of drugs and, you know, and their like their struggles and like how like how sometimes how mundane mine can be or how Like, I make a mountain out of a molehill and, like, all of that stuff. So, I I did learn a lot, but, like, I tend to get too invested in the other people. Like, oh, I want to fix you. Like, I want to help you instead of focusing on myself. So, that environment didn't quite help me. But it also helps other people. So, I can't sit here and just, like, completely, you know, dog it because it's, like, it helps other people. And that's why I'm just like, I can see that I'm always like, yeah, I could see both sides. I always see both sides because both sides are valid.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that is a flaw in a lot of us is like we want to care, like, or we do care so much about so many other people going through because we can relate to them or we can empathize with them. But at the same time, it's, sometimes through that we forget to take care of ourselves in the process. So, Yes. And that's what I do all
1: the time. So that's why I thought like, okay, isolating myself would be a better option because I was investing too much of myself in everybody else's shit. And I didn't need to do that. I needed to stop doing that. I was too involved in what everybody else had going on. And Um, So I thought, like, the isolating would be, like, the answer. But, like, it it ended up making it worse. It ended up making me feel not as good as I thought it was going to make me feel. I still evaluated the situation as me needing people, me needing my higher power. And I said through this process, like, I misplaced my faith. I didn't lose my faith, but I misplaced it because I've always loved humanity. But sometimes I just hate this human condition I guess maybe is the right term to use like basically we can pass each other on the street and not say hello but when I do say hello somebody looks at me odd like that's the weird thing to do it's weird to say hi to people when you walk by
2: it's yeah, more it accessible to scowl at them <laughs> like, like what yeah, what that's a, yeah that's yeah that's the messed up way the world works like I've
1: been through
2: that like countless times where people even like when I was living in uh, Los Angeles which you know most consider a really liberal city um, Mm -hmm. I mean I lived right off uh, right kitty quarter from um, Hollywood Boulevard and I would be walking down um, Hollywood and people would literally for no reason um, apparently just like scream at me in my face and insult me and curse at me and stuff like that and I'm like what type of you know demons must these people have inside of them that would, you know, allow them to, without any shame, just, you know, go out and, you know, ruin someone else's day when they're just trying to, you know, do something as simple as, like, get on a train or something like that. Like, that's the type of behavior that really, you know, mystifies me even now. Like, oh, my God. Yeah.
1: yeah. To this day, I've still never been on a train. I mean, I aim to go. But <laughs> oh, wow. I'm so nervous really? on a train. <laughs> Yeah, even like
2: the local. So, yeah. Um, I think here in um Inland Empire, right? Yeah, so like the so,
1: MetroLink and stuff like that. Yeah, I've never no. taken MetroLink. I've never taken the train. I've taken us. it
2: from Los Angeles to uh, my friend um was living around the Oxnard area, so I took it there one time. But I think that's pretty much mm-hmm. it. And actually, no, that's not a No, someone I guess, like um, I barely
1: knew yeah. needed to get get uh, on a train. I, that reminds me of that story.
2: <laughs> but
1: somebody I knew, need, or not I even knew. See, like that's the thing. Like I make decisions like off the fly, like a very impulsive, like, oh, my gosh, somebody needs help. I'm going to help them if I can. you're gonna tell me like you don't have train fare I'm over here like all I can do is send you the money or like do something like that like I'm gonna do it you know if I can do it I'll do it you need food I'll send you food you need an uber I'll send you an uber like that if I can do it then I will you know they and I don't know like people look at us like like as being an addict and being like oh my god like you're just this horrible selfish individual like I've never been like a horrible selfish individual I've made horrible decisions I've made horrible choices I have been a selfish person but I am not selfish all the time that doesn't define who I am now or who I'm going to be and for somebody to look at me like that how does that define their character how does yeah, that define I think- what, who they are
2: Yeah, like, a lot of people seem to make those types of assumptions and judgments without even getting to know us and know, like, who we are. And they just see, it's like you just said, it's like, they just see, like, you know, the addict or the, you know, mental health, you know, case or whatever they see, and they just can't look past, like, us being a problem that they need to fix.
1: Right, yeah, we're a problem that needs to be fixed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if or, not or then there's just gonna be a bunch of us yeah there's gonna be a bunch of us walking around like zombies like you know what I mean when they're yeah, the ones exactly. that made the zombies so. yeah <laughs> that to me is bizarre like it's always been something I'm not uh, I don't know like I mean I could go on for days about each type of situation and then just like how I've managed to fuck myself over <laughs>
2: Yeah, totally. That, um, I think a lot of us can relate to that. Like, I can tell stories of countless times where things have gone on with me. I mean.
1: <laughs> oh, it might be a spark, but I'm going to make uh, I'll make an explosion. Oh, my fight song. This is my fight. That song. This is my fight song. Oh, yeah. Fight song. <laughs> okay,
2: nice. No, I, I tried I'm looking still. up, and all I see was uh, Rachel's fireworks on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. I was listening to... No, no. Okay, I got two different
2: songs. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Explosion, Fireworks, like, you know, all in the same thing. Hey, for me, I need, like, a GPS to figure my way out of a paper bag, so you got to give me a little bit of credit. Yeah.
2: I remember (laughs) back when... uh, It's really unfortunate, but it's also kind of funny looking back on it. Back in, like, 2018, when we had... uh, When I was in San Diego uh north county when we had the uh lilac fire um it was literally like 15 miles away from where i was living at the time but i'll try to google maps to see like you know the spread of the fire but google maps would just stupidly like treat it as um a destination so it said oh fire driving 15 minutes i'm like oh my god what the hell no no
1: (laughs) Oh, 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 oh i've had that happen before I've had that, like when you uh, you just want to see where something's at, and then it tries to take you there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've had that happen. <laughs> that yeah, that's fun. But you lived in San Diego for a long time, or just briefly?
2: Um, on and off for two or three years, and I think, I mean, out of all the places I've lived at in California, the San Diego area, whether that be uh Chula Vista or um Imperial Beach or North County like that probably between there and uh West Hollywood um would be the two places in California that I looked at most like I spent a little bit of time in Sacramento I spent maybe five or six months in Sacramento and then maybe one or two months in uh around Oakland the Bay Area but um Cool. I don't, been, yeah. I don't go
1: very many places at all. Like, the last time I was in San Diego when I was little. I mean, Vegas, of course, but I haven't been there in years. Oh, God.
2: Yeah. I haven't been anywhere yeah. in a long time. I try I not call. to go to Vegas because I, I always end up, like, yeah. I always end up, like, really in really messed up situations when I go to Vegas. I think Vegas is cursed for me. I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I remember waking up, like, in a strip club. Like, where oh, the wow. fuck am I? And then then again, waking up outside of a club. And then again, waking up in a hotel with somebody that I didn't even know. Like, that, wow, that's how that night. Like, that, those are, like, blank spots. Like, I don't even know where my fucking friends were. Like, I remember the next day, like, where they were driving. They had to drive my car, and, like, it couldn't even. Like, I was like, what happened to the brakes? Yeah. Like, what's going on? You know, like. Were, you, were you sober at the time? Or No, no, I was completely wasted, drunk, drunk. I mean, not, not like I wasn't doing any drugs. But I mean, it was Vegas. And I believe I was in my 20s. Yeah, So I was just partying. Like it wasn't like me doing like, Oh, my gosh, I was just like this freaking drunk. But it was just every time I would drink, it would be like I got wasted, wasted in like big events, birthdays and stuff like that It would just be like I got Wasted, and then wake up, like, what the fuck happened? dude like what is going on? like you know like you just stupid things that that have happened, like I shouldn't wake up to a friend behind me and me being like, What are you doing?
2: you know yeah, like I've, I've been there before. before, like I was in a college back in like two thousand nine um in Tennessee, and uh that was crazy because I got way too involved in the party scene and drank like all the time and ended up like, I remember I, just, I felt so guilty because like at the end of it all, my parents drove out um, to the college um, and I was like covered in vomit and my room like stank and it was just horrific and like I fe- I felt like so bad. But, you know, these are all like learning experiences and you can't take it back, so and that that
1: kind of thing happened to me when I was 16,
2: oh, being wow. at a party, yeah.
1: you know, and wake and being like I have this gash on my face, not knowing where it came from, and my friends telling my mom that all I did is fill hands, then going to the hospital, getting a rape kit, and never even being told like the results of that rape kit.
2: Oh wow. Or being and, or any
1: resolution coming from it at all. Like I still to this day don't know like what, you know, what happened or, I I mean, and I guess maybe like leave Wallying up alone, you know, like I was drunk. I put my, like, but I was 16 too. I really didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't getting drunk on a daily basis or doing anything like that. I was out of friend's house, got drunk, did something stupid, you know, and then ended up moving to Montebello with my dad. But like I said, like I block out so many things because it's such a hard thing to talk about that it's only in these moments that where I'm just like talking and just, you know, just let it out kind of deal that it's like, okay, you know, just uh like word vomit at that moment. But it's hard to talk about too, because it's, it's embarrassing that I put myself in these positions and I should know better. You know, I do, I do know better. And I did that. Like, and it's almost like a, um, almost like a, Um, a way of self-harming like you don't respect yourself because you just can't stand you so who cares and like that was like almost a response
2: yeah like I've been in similar situations like I would um, not so much party but like when I was like 18 19 20 years old I would I constantly go out. I, was, I remember I was living with my parents at the time in uh, Hollywood, and I would go out like every other night and sleep around with random guys that I didn't know because I felt at the time that, you know, I wasn't getting the type of support. Um, obviously, things have changed since then, but at the time, I felt like I wasn't getting any support from my parents, um, you know, based on my gender identity and et cetera, et cetera, and I would just around with all these i mean i could have been you know killed i could have been a lot of really terrible stuff could have happened i'm just lucky that it didn't yeah yeah exactly and then
1: it's like like i don't know for me anyways it's like do i really even want to go there like it's i don't need to i just need to learn from it and make sure that my daughter doesn't make the same mistakes or other girls don't make the same mistakes and that they just be more vigilant with themselves because you know, however the situation is interpreted by whichever party, you know, it is what it is to each person, and I can't change what it what that person that person's gonna say is consensual, right? That person's yeah, exactly. gonna say that there was no wrongdoing, right? So now it's just my word against theirs, and am I really gonna like make myself the target here right now? no, let me just be a voice, let me help other people, help other girls, you know, yes, you know, it's hard to see the younger ones in the Discord and in in the the Zoom meetings and stuff like that, but if they can learn something from me being at that age, I was a mom when I was 17, you know, I have three kids now, and if I can help, like, a teenager prevent them from making those decisions and just be smarter and more vigilant about their actions and care about themselves just a little bit more and not care about what other people think about them because I struggle with that like I need everybody's approval and I need everybody to like me and I can't have anybody mad at me and it's something I'm working on but it's very hard You know, like, I wish that if there was just, like, this button that I can press that made me not give a shit about what people thought. But I have to give a shit, not give a shit in the right way. Because me not giving a shit and just saying fuck it and doing any type of drugs or taking a pill or whatever is not going to fix the situation. But me saying, you know, giving the middle finger to the situation as a whole and coming out the other end, that's what makes us badass bitches in recovery.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's totally true. You, you're an artist, right? You have, um, just to go off topic, like you have, you uh, sing, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, I love singing. I love singing. I love it. I've been doing it since that was... A little, a little girl. My dad said that he's gonna, um, you know, help me get a studio going. I just got a mic, and that you were helping me with, um, with some uh, production stuff and equipment that I would need. And I was trying to relay that over to my dad too, because he knows it's a a big passion of mine. That is, I think that's a form of therapy and getting me through a lot of stuff is is just putting it all into. music and just singing and I haven't written and I haven't sang like the way that I used to in a while like before you know I got really really I guess heavily into doing stupid shit you know and but I, I mean I love it I love it I will always say that it connects me like especially when it connects me as far as to my higher power which for me is God I've always loved being in worship I've loved you know, my daughter is the one who is taking, you know, singing to the next level. I think, and she can make a bigger, she can be a bigger deal than I would ever be because you know, she's going to make better decisions than me. You know, and and if this is if that's what she wants to do, which so far she loves it, then I'm going to support her a hundred percent. And the little one, still she's seven, but she's just like I got this. <laughs> Woke up in the morning, night, and just, like, all over the place, and I don't care, and <laughs> that's exactly yeah. how she sounds, too, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I just
2: got, I mean, I just got back into it myself, like, I, in my teen years, I made, like, tons of music and actually turned down a major label when I was 19, but now, like, recently oh, wow. in the past, like, uh, three or four months or so, I've been, like, recording, I actually have um, like as you know, um some of my audience may not know, but I have um a full length project I put out last year or last month and this month I have an E P coming out on the tenth. So I'm very happy about that and I'm just trying to express myself as much as I can through my music. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a good outlet, and yeah, I support that 110 percent. And um, yeah, I mean, I have to get your stuff—the whole EP, like you were saying. I haven't got to. Got I think to I sent to you link this, to everything.
2: Did I send you the link, link? Right? I think I did.
1: I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I just have to look in there again. But yeah, no, that's that's awesome because that's where you you know you're putting your but it's it. You're putting your your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Okay. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. This is what I like, so I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, there's any there's anything else that you want to add? Then uh, feel free. Uh, but,
1: no, not yeah. right now. Not right now. I think we covered. I mean, kind of everything in a nutshell. But I mean, there's always more time to discuss other things and other topics and we'll circle back and you know come back to
2: it (laughs) yeah totally make make another episode out of it
1: (laughs) heck yeah for sure
2: (laughs) cool well it was wonderful uh talking to you and i was are you coming on the three o'clock meeting or
1: yes
2: yeah cool Um, i will see you yeah i'll see you there then.
1: sounds good